0: All right, tomorrow's leaders, I've got Christine Gaze, who is the founder and managing partner of Purpose Consulting Group. I've seen Christine in action. I've known her for a couple of years now. Very, very impressed with how she leads, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to have her on the show. I wanted to get her perspective on leadership. What I love about this conversation is she shares kind of what her journey was in becoming a better and better and better, and ultimately a great leader. And a lot of that, you know, as we learn leadership, we learn it from observing people do it the right way and the wrong way. We also do it ourselves the right way, the wrong way. We make mistakes, we have successes. So she was very candid, very open in sharing some really, really great stories. So lots of good aha moments in this, lots of great takeaways. I know you'll enjoy it. Here is Christine Gaze. All right. Welcome to the show, everybody. Again, another episode of Tomorrow's Leader here with Christine Gaze, founder and managing partner of Consulting Group. Christine, thanks for joining.
1: Thanks for having me, John. It's great to be here.
0: It's great to have you. I know we have uh, tried to match up schedules for a long time. You're super busy. I saw you. uh, We were just talking about uh, whatever it was a month ago on stage and we didn't quite get a chance to connect, but great to get a chance virtually to do it.
1: Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me.
0: So there's a lot that I'd love to explore with you. And you do some great programs And I've seen it firsthand with uh, in financial services and teaching advisors how to do financial planning. You also do a lot of leadership work and teaching leadership and how to have that CEO mindset. And what I really find interesting is a lot of what you teach is based on your own experiences and learnings as a leader and things that you've recognized may have been mistakes that you've made that you've now pulled into your program and how you teach leaders to be great leaders. So I'd love to explore that with you. I appreciate you being open and and honest yeah. and and authentic with recognizing some of your past <laughs> mistakes. I think the audience would love to hear some of it.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, I um I've been in this industry for 27 years and it's funny um, just about every role I've ever had, uh, many of the roles started out as an individual uh, you know, producer. and then, as I succeeded, I kept getting you know called on to uh, leadership roles. Um, so leadership is something that has uh, hunted me throughout my career. Um, and I have made some of the worst mistakes on record um, as a leader, um, but they now, as I've studied leadership and high-performing teams for the better part of 20 years as part of my career, uh, some of the biggest mistakes that I've made represent the biggest points of passion in the programs that we run. And the first one is not recognizing my own role as leader. Um, so that's something we see a lot in the financial services industry with financial advisors. Uh, many advisors start out as individual producers, um, and then if things go well, they hire people, and all of a sudden they're running a team. And many advisors are doing that without adjusting their mindset or their behavior in the practice. Um, and I was certainly one of those. And I I think one great example of the just you know, terrible behavior that I exhibited uh, was the thought of the moment meeting. Um, it's very popular in uh, in our industry, and I think uh, we're we're not alone in that. So my weekly staff meeting uh, would devolve into sort of a, a, a brainstorming. I'd be you know I'd have a bunch of things on my mind as the leader of a department. You need to be developing programs or thought leadership and i would have some intellectual issue that i was noodling um and i would invite the team uh to you know to work on that with me so we could work through my challenge because that was what was most important to me hmm. so i basically kidnapped the meeting and the you know the effect on the staff was really you know demoralizing and I didn't realize it at the time. I mean, as a leader, um, you're working on your biggest issues. You've got your team, sort of brainstorming. It feels great for you, uh, but I didn't realize just how it felt to be a participant in the meetings that I was running.
0: What made you come to that realization? Because I, I think that's there's so there's so much value in what you just said. Because I see it all the time. I've been mm-hmm. part of meetings and I've caught myself in that same exact mode that you're describing but how did you become aware of it did somebody bring it up to you or did you kind of have an aha moment
1: you know um i think there's a feeling you get when you're in a really well-run meeting so i think there that as a leader you're i was processing it on some level that this was not the best meeting even though it sort of felt good for me uh, but I, I really had an epiphany about 10 years ago when I was serving as a committee member um, for a, a volunteer industry organization. Um, and this committee had the most terrible meetings I've, I think I've ever been a part of, and I've been a part of a lot of them, some of them at my own hand, um, but many of them not. Um, the leader of this, ma- so the, the purpose of this, it was a conference planning committee um, and so there were ten or so participants, and our goal was to uh, suggest topics and ideas for speakers to plan a conference. Um, so the leader of these meetings, the chair of this group, uh, was completely distracted throughout every meeting, multitasking. Like you could hear her—you could hear her half paying attention and typing out emails, and she was always in an airport. And so that was certainly a huge distraction, but we would spend time discussing these ideas and there was never any direction to execute. So we'd end up in this, you know, this, you know, circular brainstorming discussion. And each week it felt like a fresh brainstorm. And there was no progress. So I would be, as a participant, I'd send a recap email like, "Okay, I suggested these three three ideas, and these three speakers. Do you want me to contact them, or you like where hmm. where are we headed with this?" So it could not have been a more frustrating experience um, as a participant.
0: Yeah, I you know it's, it's again I can relate hundred percent because. And I think a lot of meetings, it's almost like the leader, the person that's running these is just trying to fill time and get people talking. And they define a successful meeting as a lot of people talking. And, and the more people talking, the better. And in reality, you're right. I, I've, I've always thought, okay, think, feel, do. What do I want people thinking mm-hmm. as a result at the end of this meeting, feeling? And then what do I want them doing? What's the action step? So I like that thought, though. It prompts me to say, OK, at the end of a meeting, what's next? Like, where do we go from here? Mm-hmm. And you found that that was not 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 even close to being uh, identified.
1: No, not at all. There were just a lot of hanging chads and, and you know, open end. And and as a result, I mean, in that particular instance, um, it. I think it took maybe 12 weeks. So we had 12 meetings to plan this one conference and mm-hmm. um, and it could have been done in four to six. So it yeah. was just sort of, not only was it really frustrating, mm-hmm. but it was a huge time suck for not only me, but all the other volunteers.
0: Well, and you think about, you know, running an organization, you, you think about, you put the time value of money on, on that hour of time. If you've got 10 people in there in that meeting, of any meeting and you've got their average hourly rate multiplied out but it's not just that that's a cost but then it's the opportunity cost of what else they could be doing if they weren't in that meeting i mean there's massive amounts of expenditure for pulling a br- group of high powered intelligent smart influential people together so you got to make it worthwhile so what happened did, did the did that what changed that or did it change
1: well, that round didn't change, but I was, I was actually tapped to chair this, uh, this committee for the following year. So the, the chair rolled off and, you know, exited stage right. And so I had an opportunity and, and it was a really profound experience for me because I, so I inherited this committee who had suffered through this terrible experience along with me. So everyone was a little shell-shocked um but i was determined to right the wrongs with this group um and to solve for you know solve for the crickets that had always been an issue as a team leader that had plagued me on conference call after conference call and this was you know before video conference so you couldn't see the white of their eyes you couldn't see who was multitasking um and so uh so here's what i did i I really established the why from the start and set the table with some direction. Here's the, you know, the vision, just reminding everyone, you know, what we're there for. We're a member organization, and we're there to serve our members and we need to create as much value with this conference as possible because people have a choice of which conference they go to and who they write a check to. Um, and so I think setting the table and setting the, the vision and get getting people aligned in that was really important. And then for me, I set some direction. Um, so, you know, conferences in our industry, you know, pre-COVID, there had been an explosion of conferences. So everyone under the sun was in it. Big financial services companies were doing conferences, big media conference uh, companies were in sort of the conference game. So there was a lot of competition. And there were a whole host of speakers that were on what I call the milk run. So it's like you'd see them at this conference, they'd be at that conference. And then if they're at our conference as well, It's like some of these speakers are knockout speakers. And so, you know, you don't mind seeing, you know, Dr. David Kelly or Greg Valliere or, you know, whatnot um, in multiple places. But I challenge the team to come up. Let's build this agenda with a third new discoveries. So let's go to let's roam a little farther. Let's Scour academia. Let's bring up authors of new books that we've read. Like let's actually let's try and and differentiate our conference. So it gave them you know some direction, and then I also set a goal. So we have you know a whole cadre of of speaker scores from the work that we've done in the past. So it, and they're rated um, out of a five point scale. So it's like let's just only work with speakers. That have if there if we have a historical record on them it's four point three or higher because it's really important that we have speakers who can make these topics come to life. You've got a lot of speakers who can speak on ESG or fixed income, but there aren't a lot of speakers who can keep the audience awake and engaged and not checking their you know their their texts or playing Wordle or mm-hmm. uh, you know reading the Wall Street Journal. Um, so my goal was to really have an engaged audience and have the best speakers who could really bring life to the topic. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of, you know, part of the start, but then I worked on the, and so that was kind of the why and the, and the what, and then, you know, there was really the how, which needed to change mm-hmm. a bit. And I'm happy to tell you how I did that as well. Yeah.
0: And uh, just interesting that, you know, that, that, that's what I hear you saying is, you started with defining success. And I think even broader than just a meeting or a committee, it's as a leader, how much how much, and how clearly do we define for our team? What is the desired outcome? What are we trying to do? And I love that. Hey, you defined it so clearly as to say, hey, there's a third of this speaker group that we want to make sure we're going outside. So if I'm on that committee, I'm. there's no question about what it is that we're trying to accomplish. I can easily say we did it or we didn't, and I think that level of simplicity and clarity is critical for a leader to get their team achieving a certain result.
1: Well, and I think it was really important for us as a committee. I mean, we've been as a as a volunteer organization, as an industry nonprofit, we've been in the in the conference game for a long time, so it's easy to just. Recycle the same thing that you've done before, but I think it's really important um, if you want to breathe new life into something, or you want to produce something that is truly differentiating and outstanding. To just take a step back and um, and just, I guess, reassess. So mm-hmm. having these guardrails or, or guidelines um, really it really engages people because it kind of gets them thinking outside their own, you know, the box that they've created from participating in these types of meetings and committees. Uh, yeah. It's a simple act, but I think it really makes a difference than it, it did in this case.
0: Yeah. So talk a little bit more about the how. So you, you share the why and the what, what does the how look like?
1: Yeah. And I, I mean, there, <laughs> there are no, you know, really, uh, magic beans here it's uh it's really simple stuff um but i think being awake and aware uh and focused is really important so we would have a a round robin and i did that you know alphabetically and i set the tone that people should come with a couple of ideas so they knew what categories those ideas uh, should fall into based on the the goals that we you know had identified Um, and what I did with this group, um, and it just, it worked gradually over, you know, over the weeks, we ended up running the call for, um, I think eight weeks. Um, but people were originally reluctant to weigh in to, I had to sort of pull things out of people, um. So I would direct the meeting. So people would be sharing their ideas sort of in an orderly fashion. And someone would present present a few ideas or topics or speakers. And I'd be like, you know what, Jane, that's a really great idea. Um, I I think we might have had a private real estate speaker before. John, your company has a couple of private real estate products. What can you tell? Like, do you know of anyone? So I would actually ping pong the participants and look to create uh, connections as these topics and speakers came up. And little by little, I would would solicit thoughts and I would be willing to, I'll sit through the silence. I will put out a question. uh, I will ask people what they thought. I just kept drawing out and creating these cross connections. Um, And eventually the committee fell into this rhythm where they were eager to share their feedback. So someone would share ideas, others would build upon that, they would suggest specific speakers, they would take the idea and shape it in a different direction. And so we ended up having these really rich discussions. So I think it was, um, I don't I don't want to say it was painful at first, there were definitely some Awkward silences that I had to manage through and and be patient with at first, but the committee really sort of came alive and and coalesced. And there was a really a, a sense of cohesion and and this you know this trust that was built among and camaraderie that was built among the group. So
0: it takes um, it takes a lot. I mean, it takes a lot to bring a team like that together. And as you're talking about the silent moments, I mean, that's the, it takes going through discomfort to get a team that's now that's comfortable with and feeling like okay, there's not I'm not going to be ridiculed for a bad idea, or there's no going to be not going to be a downside for me asking a question. You think about how many organizations breed that type of culture unknowingly. The leader kind of sets a tone um that that it's only they're only looking for uh certain ideas or good ideas not really thinking that contradicts our traditions or what we've been doing in the past so i'm just always interested in how advi- how leaders do that um and i wanted to to bounce back to something that was interesting too because there's a, earlier you had talked about the leader that was running those calls on the phone, distracted in an airport and everything like that. A lot of leadership I find comes down to also really people understanding the level of importance on something. And Mm -hmm. a leader in that situation sends a really clear message and sometimes unknowingly and unintentionally that this is not really that important to me as the leader. If I'm multitasking and I'm really not listening and I'm not really engaged, it doesn't matter what I say, even if I say this is really important, well, my actions are not saying that. I'm saying there's other things that are more important going on, even right now, and repeatedly when I run this meeting. So, what's your thought on that? I mean, how how important is that uh, for a leader? Uh,
1: yeah, I, I I think you're absolutely right, and I I think that um you know so that a half pay attention, the the disengage, the multitasking, that is so detrimental. Um, to, you know, to the culture, to the outcomes of that meeting. It, it's so detrimental to the way people feel about participating in that meeting. That if that's if that's all you can give to that meeting as a leader, then maybe you should beg out of the meeting. Mm. I, I mean, I think it's worse to show up and act like that um, than it is to... You know, to to hand the baton to someone else who can be fully engaged and participate um, in the meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's it's funny. Um, meeting management and and team communication is is one of the core topics that we uh, that we contend with in one of our programs called the CEO mindset. And there are there are so many basic skills and basic tenants that. Uh, that not just a leader but anybody on their team you know needs to learn um in order to cultivate a positive you know culture in order to ensure um you know efficiency in meetings and 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 to cultivate a this that proper feeling that feeling like i've just attended a good meeting i contribute i feel good about this cause and i'm excited to go back to my desk and do x y or z that supports you know this mission and, and vision. Mm-hmm. I think it is. I think it's often, I guess, perhaps glossed over or de-emphasized, or I, I think people don't recognize the importance of meetings um, and meeting norms and communication. You know, norms as vehicles to you know to stoke. Uh, engagement um, and to and to really build a positive culture on the team. And those are just you know they sound like soft terms but you know every research study I've ever shown has shown that you know that positive cultures and high engagement lead to you know double triple the you know the revenue and the and the growth trajectory for you know a firm.
0: I've never seen a company or an organization with a bad culture uh, sustain long-term performance. Uh, it's all, it may be short-term, but ultimately the culture is going to override everything that's going on and drive everything that's going on. Um, it's interesting also when you, when you, and you may have leaders that are listening and saying, boy, you know what? When Christine was talking about that thought of the day meeting, that's me. I relate to that and I, I didn't even realize that. Instead of that approach, which leads to the thought of the day meeting where you're kind of identifying and addressing and at, inviting people into your, solve your own problems that are going on in your head. What What should a leader be thinking or maybe what questions should they be asking or what kind of, I don't know, lens should they be looking through to be able to approach that type of meeting better?
1: Yeah, well I mean I think the the first couple of steps are you know, sort of the vision setting and the you know and the guardrails but also setting of cultural norms. Um and so you know the staff meeting is I mean typically that's a meeting where people are sharing updates on their progress it's an opportunity for team members to learn what others are doing. And so uh, if a leader is going to hold staff meetings um, some preparation is required. I mean, that was one of my big takeaways. Um, you know, it's like leaders eat last, it's like you have to work harder than anybody on this committee because you are the one that hold the keys to orchestrating a successful meeting and ensuring that progress, you know, occurs from, you know, from meeting to meeting. So that meant for me, I've got to synthesize everything that happened, produce a, a recap, and ensure that while we're in the meeting and afterwards, people are clear on follow up and, and next step, and who's going to take the ball and run with this idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think defining your meetings and meeting meeting norms. I mean, it's perfectly acceptable to have a brainstorming meeting, but you got to label it as such. Set the appropriate you know sort of vision and expectations for that. And invite the you know the group in for that specific you know purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a whole host of different meeting types for a company. So being clear on what ones are ongoing and necessary, how are they going to you know to run, and ensuring that you prepare. And if you're a leader and you're running a you know at Mach ten with your hair on fire. Um, Maybe you declare. Maybe you create a leadership opportunity for someone else to run the meeting, and maybe you act as actually a participant in you know a meeting. And you've got to also be aware of your power as a leader. So in in the meetings that I ran, I shared my ideas last. And sometimes we didn't even get to my ideas because they already came up and where the group came up with, you know, a perfectly, you know, terrific mm-hmm. agenda without the insertion of you mm-hmm. know of my ideas. So
0: I'm so happy you said that because I think that's so key. There's there's so much to be gained by even when that leader is is wanting, they they feel like they have the solution or the best idea or whatnot to hold back. And let the conversation take place, because what you say as a leader will influence the rest of the conversation. And there's so much to be gained by just sitting back and listening and then offering your ideas, thoughts, feedback, whatever the case may be. Um, And your other point, I think, is also masterful of that leader that's running back to back, meeting, 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 working like crazy you know, you need the time, the space, the 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 pause, the breaks to be able to think through things. And yeah. even, you know, I used to think that when I had, I was running an organization and things were kind of really well wired and I would show up at my weekly meeting with my team and everything like that. And I got to a point where I realized, you know, I'm not prepping the way that I need to be, even though the structure is all prepped and everybody knows they're part of that meeting and whatnot. I need to think about what messages I wanna communicate and how I wanna communicate it to the team. I can't Mm -hmm. just walk in there and just have it all pop into my head. I need to make sure that I'm prepared. As great as I feel that I am as a leader, I'm talking to anybody out there that is having lots of success, you still need to take the time to go into that. That's the game, that's game time. You have to practice and prepare for the game, as great of an athlete as you are, it doesn't, your performance on that that field or on the court is going not to be, not going to be as best as it is if you haven't prepared, no matter how great you are.
1: No, you're absolutely right about that. And and we think about that as the journey from accidental leadership to intentional leadership. Um, and so we think it's really important to to be intentional as the leader, to consciously cultivate culture to be awake and aware and focused on cultivating the norms that will will create the kind of company that you know that you want to espouse or you would want to work at yourself Mm -hmm. um it again it sounds like a bunch of soft (laughs) stuff to those you know who maybe grew up with a more authoritative or directive leadership style but this is the leadership style that is working today. Um, mm-hmm. This sort of you know, collaborative you know, leadership style where you not only put yourself to your highest and best use as a leader, but you have to think about your organization and how do you try and do that for you know, every individual on your team. Mm-hmm. It's, you have to be thinking about the, the mm-hmm. matrix or the system as a leader, not just, um, what's going to make you feel good day to day.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it's about leveraging the talent that you have on your team. If you've got somebody who's super talented, but you're only getting a seven out of them out of a 10 because you're not putting them in the position to really do what they do best and can do best, then that's not leadership. That's the other part of it too. So.
1: Exactly. Well,
0: Christine, this has been phenomenal. I know we're, uh, we're short on time here, First of all, congrats on the success you're having and have had. I've seen it firsthand, the impact that your company makes, Um, and I've seen it multiple times and super impressed. If people want to connect with you or they want to learn more about Purpose Consulting Group, how do they do that? Where do they go?
1: Uh, We're at PurposeConsultingGroup.com. So it's pretty simple. We have, uh, we work exclusively in the financial services uh, space. We have a number of of programs. We work both in the area of human capital competency, which is where the um, CEO mindset falls. And as you mentioned at the start, we also work in the wealth management competency space. So we develop a lot of thought leadership and, and training programs. So if you're in financial services and you um, are, are leading a team of advisors, you know, well, feel free to check us out. We've got a lot on our website.
0: Excellent. Well, I'm sure a lot of people will. And uh, I appreciate your time today. I appreciate you sharing all your insights. I love it. Super valuable stuff. And uh, I've picked up some great things I know other listeners have. So I appreciate your time today.
1: Thanks so much, John. Have a great day.
0: You got it, Christine. And thanks all for joining today on today's episode of Tomorrow's Leader. We've been here with Christine Gaze, who's the owner and uh, or the founder and managing partner of Purpose Consulting Group. will have all her information and uh, the link to Purpose Consulting Group in the show notes. Be sure to check her out and them out. And as always, like, share, subscribe, go down below, give a five-star review, and we'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Tomorrow's Leader. For suggestions or inquiries about having me at your next event or personal coaching, reach me at john at com.